led through the mist by the milk light of moon all that was lost is revealed our long bygone burdens mere echoes of the spring but where have we come and where shall we end if dreams can't come true then why not pretend how the gentle wind beckons through the leaves as autumn colors fall dancing in a swirl of golden memories the loveliest lies of all. Hey everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We've got our final Halloween episode to look at here this time. We got a special bonus episode I mentioned on the last show. This is our sixth for, uh, for October, we had previously done the great, great film that, uh, that we all loved, Boxing Helena. Um, <laughs> that one came out, uh, you know, as of this recording. We did uh, Vampire's Kiss, The Deadly Spawn, the classic Freaks, The Amusement Park, and now we are moving on to Over the Garden Wall. So Over the Garden Wall is a cartoon. This is a mini-series. So most of the time what we've done on the show has been related to like one specific film. But on occasion we've done, we've broken out of that and we looked at other things. So when we did uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, that was, you know, a collection of shorts or a show or a web show, however you want to define it. And we also did um, the uh, World of Tomorrow shorts by Don Hertzfeld. And so that was three and possibly counting shorts, uh, science fiction cartoon shorts so you can track down those episodes and those, um, you know, shows um, and films because they are all quite good. So this is going to be another time where we are breaking from form a little bit and we're going to be looking at a miniseries, like I said, Over the Garden Wall. This is from 2014. It was created by Patrick McHale. He was a writer for Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. He was a writer and creative director for Adventure Time, and he is co-writing a Pinocchio script with Guillermo del Toro and a couple of others for a stop-motion movie that is supposed to be coming out. Uh, (laughs) Jack is reacting with facial expressions and sounds throughout all of this. Um, But a stop-motion movie that's supposed to be coming out, uh, I believe, next year. It's been in the works for literally years. I remember seeing stuff about it years ago. And it's based on illustrations. I think the artist is like Gus Grimsby or something. He's done something with uh, Neil Gaiman, I know. He does these kind of like dark fairy tale looking things. It's really cool art. So Guillermo del Toro, of course, loves that because he loves all the weird shit. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I think he was inspired by that guy's drawings or whatever and, and wanted to um, make this. And so I think it's been in the works for a while. But I, what I didn't know, and I've, I've been like kind of following it off and on, but what I didn't know was that 
the uh, Over the Garden Wall guy, Patrick McHale, is actually involved in the scripting on that with Del Toro, with Grimsby, and maybe somebody else was on the list. So anyway, uh, that's Patrick McHale. I saw he also had like written a novel, and I think he has a band or something. So he seems to like have his hand in a lot of different things. Um, but Over the Garden Wall is probably his um, biggest achievement so far, most prominent thing. Uh, what this is, it is a uh, miniseries that aired on Cartoon Network 2014. This was the first miniseries Cartoon Network had ever done, which I was surprised to learn that. Um, but apparently that's the case. He had originally pitched this as like possibly, like I think when he was working on Adventure Time or before that, maybe it was like right out of school, I think maybe he pitched it to them as like a three uh, season show. And then they thought they were like trying to do movies and stuff. So they thought, okay, could you rework this into a film? He couldn't figure out how to crack it as a film. He's working at Adventure Time and stuff. They eventually come back to him and say, you know, do you want to pitch us something? And he reworks what he originally had. And he delivers up a pilot, which is called The Tome of the Unknown. And so on the strength of that pilot, they then greenlit what became Over the Garden Wall. And uh, what another thing I didn't know was that Over the Garden Wall is 10 episodes. They are 10 Cartoon Network Adult Swim episodes because they are like the 12 minute episodes. Um, so it's like five, you know, 22 minute episodes. Um, but it's, it's in 10 units. Originally, it was supposed to be 18, I guess. But they mm. changed it. It's that what I was reading, they cut it back because of like time issues. It didn't say anything else. So I don't know if that was just they didn't know if they could get everything animated in time for when they wanted to air it or whatever I, I you know i have no idea but for whatever reason they uh they cut it back from 18 to 10 episodes i think it works perfectly fine as 10 i don't think it feels like anything's missing um but the, so that's some uh background stuff on this so for this episode we watched the original pilot which uh was 2013 and then we watched all 10 episodes past that which uh, came out in 2014. Um, and then before I introduce our cast here, I'll talk about the show's cast. We've got uh, a pretty stacked cast for Over the Garden Wall, if you have not heard about this. Um, Elijah Wood is the lead. He plays Wirt. Uh, he's a teenager, and he's sort of presented as um, kind of like anxious, self-conscious, insular, uh, he has a half-brother named uh, Gregory, or Greg, and that is Colin Dean, who was uh, an actual little kid playing that role. Um, and I don't know, I didn't look him up, I don't know if he had done much else at the time. I'm sure he's probably done a bit. We can look at that as we go along here. Um, and Greg is, uh, you know, much more outgoing, and... Um, I have some things I want to say on Greg coming up, but uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of out there. And then past Greg, we have Melanie Linsky as Beatrice. I maybe one of our panelists has seen her in something. I, uh, I I know I've seen her in at least one thing. She is the aunt from the Perks of Being a Wallflower, and I think she's been in some other stuff. Um, I, I know I recognize her when I've seen her picture. Uh, this also has Christopher Lloyd as the woodsman, the great, wonderful Christopher Lloyd, who I love. Um, 
we can't hear you, Jack, clapping, Jack, because you muted yourself. Um, but uh, unmute yourself and clap for Christopher Lloyd. Yes, yes, thank you. Clap for him. Uh, clap for the man. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, uh, I love Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future and many other things. And this is honestly one of his best roles in years. Um, so very happy to have him in this show. Jack Jones, uh, singer Jack Jones, who's like a crooner. He, uh, he plays the voice of a frog. Um, and is like an in, yeah, he's like a narrator kind of at the beginning, um, and then there's a few other people. I don't. I'm just kind of pulled some of the the ones that I recognized, um, but some other key supporting people. John Cleese from Monty Python plays Quincy Endicott and Adelaide. Yes. So he plays like a an old rich man and uh, like a woman in the woods. Tim Curry. The great Tim Curry. Yes. Uh, clap for Tim <laughs> Curry, everyone. Uh, great Tim Curry shows up and plays a very different kind of character and a very different kind of voice because we get used to Tim Curry, even when he does animation, like the Nigel Thornberry thing. Of, he's usually doing like a British accent, a classy British accent, smarmy Tim Curry kind of thing. But here he plays this weird like seemingly evil old woman and the voice like if you weren't told it was tim curry i don't know that you would I didn't jump know on I it and know yeah. um so he's like really like doing stuff with his voice that's really interesting um and the character's fun and uh he's not in a ton but uh you know again fantastic that he's a part of it chris isaac the musician shows up as enoch which i'm not sure who that character is offhand but uh you know he's a famous musician shirley jones from the partridge family plays uh beatrice's mother um so she has like a small part thomas lennon the uh guy uh, officer dangle from reno 911 and he's been a writer and comedian he's done a lot of stuff written a lot of stuff and starring a lot of stuff he has a small part as jimmy brown and uh mm -hmm. is it uh bebe newworth is that how you say her first name bb BB, um, BB. Yeah. Okay, BB Newworth plays oh. uh, Marguerite Gray, um, and that is the uh, the lady from Frasier, Frasier's wife. What uh, I can't remember her character name. It's not Lilith. No. Yeah. Wait. Oh, it no, is. Lil, Lil, no, Lilith. Oh, oh, yeah. It is Lilith because it's Maris Lilith, is yeah. uh, Maris is the is um, uh, uh, Niles' wife. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So uh, as you can see. Tons and tons of people are in this. Um, there's some other people who are, you know, like character actors or voice character actors, things like that. So there might be some other people we recognize, but those are some of the more prominent ones. All right. So uh, our cast for this show, we've got our usual fantasy crew joining us here this time. Uh, unfortunately, Eric was unable to make it because of some Internet issues. So he's out. Jack oh, is very no. pleased. Oh, no. Eric's not here. Oh, no. One more for Jack. On Jack is very pleased because of their <laughs> ongoing podcast rivalry that, uh, you know, she's now only like 17 behind him or whatever it is um, because she's here and he's not. But uh, so, yes. Yeah, so uh, welcome, Jack. And congratulations on uh, on besting Eric and, and cutting his Internet cable, I'm assuming. Take that, New York. Also, greetings, Linton. Hey. And you had, didn't you have something on the cast? 
Yes, uh, I looked up uh, the kid who plays Greg. Uh, his name is Colin Dean. I looked him up on IMDb, uh, and he plays Tiffany in Adventure Time. It was a great, like, <laughs> recurring character. So if you're an Adventure Time fan, that's same kid. Which one is Tiffany? I've seen all of it, but it's been a while. Uh, it, Tiffany is... Uh, <laughs> That's just always how he says his name. Uh, he thinks that he is a rival to Finn to be okay. uh, Jake's best friend. So he's always trying okay. to, like, take Finn out so that he he and Jake can be BFFs. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. And uh, and also joining us here is Jess. And uh, Jack, Jack and I had seen uh, Over the Garden Wall, but this is Jess's first time experiencing it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Somehow, this is my first time experiencing it. I was like, was this show written for me? <laughs> I'll also say that immediately upon finishing it, she sent us like a picture of a tattoo that someone yeah. has from something from the show. And the thing is, Jess has some tattoos and it's usually like something, some media or property or something that she's very close to. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, are you just, you're shopping for tattoos now. You're looking for what to put on your body, aren't you? That, that is a sign of, yeah, I went to the Over the Garden Wall Reddit page and immediately searched tattoo because I was like, I'm sure there are some excellent ones out there. And people have, like, full sleeves of Over the Garden Wall. Not shocking. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that might happen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I gave, like, uh, most of the background kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's the how the show is approached, how it's animated. Uh, I figure we can just, like, dive into that as part of the discussion. There's not a whole lot of other background stuff. There's not any, like skeletons in any closets that i'm aware of or you know any other kind of like background drama so uh i think we've covered that uh fully so let's just open it up what do we make of over the garden wall well, i mean jess wants to make it a permanent part I'm of her body so. for tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> i mean i honestly i'm sad that i haven't watched it sooner it's been recommended to me for years and I was always like interested. It seemed like kind of fairy tale-ish and I knew nothing about it. Um, and it's not what I thought it was, but in a good way. Yeah, but it's just, I, I loved it. And I was like, I should have watched this much sooner. <laughs> Jack? Uh, for me, it is required viewing every fall. Uh, it is, it's, perfect like i think last year i binged the whole thing on halloween um and it was an utter delight because it's the perfect like fall show the music the coloring the mood all of it is spot on and i mean it takes place you find this out later you don't know at the beginning of the show but it is taking place kind of during halloween um it's one of my favorite shows it's amazing it's it's the perfect amount of like whimsical and fun but also really emotional and touches on some very uh heartfelt themes Mm -hmm. i I don't know it balances it all super well yeah for me i think this is the third time i've watched it um i watched it a couple years ago again and the original time i watched it was probably like shortly after it came out it was probably 2015 or 2016 and I watched it 
I think right after I watched Gravity Falls for the first time. So uh, yes. Gravi- yes. Gravity Falls was recommended to me by by our friend Eric. He sent me. If, I would love to do a show on Gravity Falls. It's hard yes, to yes, wrap yes. your head around how how though because there's so many episodes. That's true. So That's I, a lot. I'd have to figure it out. But but Gravity Falls. Eric sent me a clip of um, Old Goldie, which is this hideous <laughs> contraption that uh, that uh, uh, Grunkle Stan is trying to like huckster his way to get people to use. And it ends up like attacking. It doesn't really attack him, but it's like because it's just like this malfunctioning contraption, and uh, he's like yelling, "Kill it, kill it!" And then it, and he ends up trying to like get it to work, and it's like spewing out black oil. And it was just like an amazing <laughs> clip that was like like the best era of The Simpsons level, like the kind of yeah. stuff that you would see on The Simpsons. So Eric showed me that clip, and on the strength of that, I was like. All right, I have to watch the show now. And yeah. so then I watched uh, Gravity Falls and uh, fell completely in love with it. But I think right yeah. around that time, uh, our friend Chris, or I saw it mentioned somewhere, um, but some, somehow I became aware of Over the Garden Wall. So it was basically a one-two punch of watching mm-hmm. Gravity Falls and then Over the Garden Beautiful. Wall in succession. Amazing. The thing is, I'll say the first time I saw it, I liked it, um, but it wasn't like oh, I need to get this on Blu-ray like it is for, or on DVD or like it is for a lot of things. Gravity Falls, you couldn't at that time anyway, but I had mm. them bootlegged immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but since then, they've released like a really nice uh, Blu-ray set. Uh, Which I have Falls. downstairs, yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, as do I. But, um, but yeah, so it, it didn't fall into that. I was like, oh, it's good. And then uh, I watched it again and I appreciated it more. And then this time, you know, it's like, I'm probably to Jack level with it now of just like, yeah, you know, no reservations. Everything's wonderful. Like no no problem. No notes. (laughs) You you got it. (laughs) Got it in one. Great. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so that's kind of my journey on uh, Over the Garden Wall. And like, since it's only 10 episodes, you know, plus, plus the pilot, which I'll say that you don't have to watch the pilot. It's not directly related to the story, but it also, it operates in a way that, like, it really could be the first episode. Like, there's only a couple alterations. Like, the only things I noticed in the pilot is uh, Greg calls the the frog Doctor, but all throughout the show, he's given this frog different names. Mm -hmm. And so that could just, like, tie into that. And then the only other thing is, it's called Tome of the Unknown. And the original driving force was that the boys were searching for a book that contained all knowledge. And so that's like, that was what the conception was. That was going to be the loose thing that tied everything together. Is like, okay, that's the reason for their journey. And then we'll do all this stuff. He dropped that. The tome itself does make an appearance near the end of the show, just as kind of an Easter egg. But, um, but basically you could watch the pilot and it could just be like an early adventure of the show and it doesn't except that Beatrice's voice is different that's the yes. only thing sure. I, different voice. Too. I yeah. can't I can't stand it <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. hate it I mean Homer Simpson's voice is different in the early seasons of the Simpsons too so. <laughs> and it's annoying compared to what they came out with later but not exactly. as annoying as this because this is literally a different actress and I'm oh, sure oh come she's on fine. Jack we're gonna go out for some nice frosty milkshakes <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't like it. Um, Don't like original Homer. (laughs) Original version of Homer. It's the same actor. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, but the, uh, the pilot's like a fun thing to watch just, and it, it could easily be overlooked. And I, I think you had, you weren't aware of it, right, Jack? Correct. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's something, it's just like, if you watch this on like Hulu or something, they don't collect it with it. Um, you know, it was made independent of the show, but for fans, it's an interesting little thing that you can find. I'll talk about that at the end when you can uh, track it down. But yeah, it's just the fact that it's only 10 episodes and that pilot and those episodes are those 11, 12 minute Adult Swim, Cartoon Network type uh, episodes. You know, you can knock this out. It's, you know, all told it's, uh, what is it? Um, 20, uh, it's like an hour. It's like two hours. Yeah, it's like hour 50 minutes or something. And then plus the pilot if you want to watch that. So yeah, around two hours. So it's real fast. You could spread it out um, if you wanted, and it's great for Halloween viewing, as Jack is saying, and particularly if you have kids. Our, our friend Jimmy, um, he's shown it to his kids, and they love it, and uh, they've like gone as the characters for Halloween. Oh, that's um, great! Yeah, that's he so was good. he was Wirt, his wife oh, was Gregory, oh, and stop. then their son was uh benjamin franklin the frog ah, and then i think he so i think cute. he had a little like bird on his shoulder and then they oh. had the painted rock i think they, yes. they forgot to bring it to the costume <laughs> party but no it was like it was a solid solid deal. Oh, so cute. all right so uh that's some introductory thoughts for all of us on over the garden wall where do we want to go uh character actors the look of it what do we want to do <laughs> I want to talk about Greg first because Greg is the greatest. Oh my I god, love I Greg love Greg so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him. <laughs> he's the younger brother played by an actual child and he's so perfect. It's unreal. <laughs> like he's just so funny. His comedic timing is great. The writing is great. Spot on for this kid. <laughs> he just says all the best lines are all Greg lines. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say my very favorite for- line first and drop that early on in this episode. But there's, they go uh, in episode seven, they go into this house and um, they find all these little black turtles. Uh, and then somebody comes in like, what are you doing here? And uh, Greg turns around and goes, we're here to burgle your turts. And it's like, so good. It's so funny. He's so perfect. Uh. God. Yeah. I, I almost made that my name in this little uh, (laughs) chat we have. (laughs) Cause burgle your turts is so good. Perfect. Yeah. I thought he was delightful. Um, I, did read a review where they were like, "Ugh, Greg, annoying," and I'm like, "Set that person I don't on get fire. that." But I can, I guess, I can see where he's a bit much sometimes. But like, I loved him. Like, I just thought there were so many lines in this that were like thrown away, mm-hmm. and just kind of like, and I just thought it was so funny. Like, yeah, and all of his little songs and just yes. like, ugh. He's the cutest. Yes. Yes. Protect Greg. <laughs> Protect Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, a line from the pilot uh, that I also loved that was a Greg line. Um, again, first time seeing the pilot. 
and it was very charming and Linton's right just fits right in but at one point he goes go croon a tune under the moon with a raccoon eating prunes with a spoon and a balloon with a baboon watching cartoons and he just says it perfectly he doesn't stumble over it or anything like the kid is a very good voice actor or, uh, or it took him 25 takes it could have right. but it didn't sound like it and that's the sure key. I'm just because in my brain I'm comparing him to one of my other favorite very young child actors uh I don't know the name off of my off the top of my head, uh, but the one who plays Catbug, like I love the Catbug character from um, from Bravest Warriors, uh, mm-hmm. which not a lot of people have seen Bravest Warriors, but a lot of people have seen Catbug things, um, and it's this very much younger child saying weird, ridiculous things into the microphone, and that's very different from this great the the kid who plays Greg like can I don't know act uh, mm-hmm. in in a more in, in the <laughs> the more real sense not to dismiss the cat bug actor. That's not what I mean. I love him. But so Greg's hilarious and we're harping on that a lot, but Greg is also like very much the heart. Like the, at one point mm. he sacrifices himself to save his brother and he's always really brave and running into uh, the fray of things. Like he has no fear uh, and he's so filled with joy and he'll never give up. There's also, there are a lot of themes of like, um, loneliness uh cowardice bravery grief and regret uh being lost and what that means trust and friendship and siblings and responsibility like these are all heavy heavy themes throughout the whole thing and he's like throughout doesn't lose heart he's always brave sometimes he's more responsible than his older brother uh and he just never gets bogged down by any of the hardships that they go through and it's just wonderful he's a wonderful character i would argue to that stupid person on the internet (laughs) <laughs> I uh, some of my notes on uh, Greg were was that he was kind of dumb. Will say yeah. anything that enters his head, and <laughs> he is sweet and pure of heart. And when I say yeah. dumb, it's like it's naive and childlike. He's not like mm-hmm. presented as like an idiot, but it's like I the the two characters on this rewatch that really reminded me. He reminded me of both in how he behaves and in the presentation and how they use him in the plot. Is he's very similar to Gurr from Invader Zim, mm-hmm. and he's very similar to Ralph Wiggum from The Simpsons. Um, I And just agree. that he will just, you know, say kind of goofy shit, and sometimes it's like wise beyond his years, and sometimes it's just dumb and playful. Um, and they use him in this similar kind of way of, like, to deflect, uh, or to reduce the tension. Yeah. Um, and it, and bo- bo- both Gurr and Ralph are, like, very sweet characters, very positive characters, um, even though they're, you know, kind of, uh, you know, thick-headed in their ways. I throw Mabel Pines in that list as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, very similar to Mabel Pines. Um, but I think Mabel is definitely a little bit older, and so they're able to do a little bit more with the character, whereas Greg is, I don't know, supposed to be six or something. He's very young. Um, yeah. But agreed, totally. He's definitely the comedic um whatever that phrase is that I suddenly can't remember. Comedic relief. I did it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, we'll, uh, I mean, we'll get into other characters, I'm sure. But since we're already talking about him and we're talking about like a lot of the funny stuff and the dialogue, um, why don't we just like 
go through any of the dialogue. Because I think most of most of any dialogue we have is he's probably going to be a part of, not all of it. <laughs> but let's let's circle back to character with other key characters we liked or whatever. But let's uh, dovetail into dialogue right now. So I super love Greg's little uh, sayings that he like. I imagine he picks them up from like his parents or something. Like he hears that, but he can't like mimic them exactly. And so there's one part where he goes. Just goes to show you stuff. <laughs> and it makes me laugh so hard. Because <laughs> he doesn't really know what that phrase means, but and he finishes it incorrectly. It's just great. Well, um, that tattoo and then, you showed was, uh, ain't, ain't that the way? Ain't that just ain't the that way? Ain't that just the just way? The way. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have that tattoo. <laughs> I love. I'm like, yeah. And it's just like this little kid being like, Ain't that just the way? It's I'm like, what so do you know? <laughs> I think he says it twice, too. I think mm-hmm. it's like At least twice, yeah. yeah. But yeah, just goes to show you stuff made me lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also love um, the... Oh, but the turtles uh, where he's like... Where it's like, oh, turtles in a barrel? That's funny. And he's like, ha, 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 ha yeah. And he's like, not that funny. And he's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not exact, but yeah, he just like immediately stops laughing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, one bit of vaudevillian dialogue that I really loved, which uh, I named myself for the episode on this. Um, so they come across a bird who is Beatrice, who we'll talk about more as we go, but she's stuck in a bush and she says, I'm stuck. Help me out of here and I'll owe you a favor. And Greg says, whoa, I get a wish. No, 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 not a wish. I'm not magical. I'll just do you a good turn. Can you turn me into a tiger? Um, no, I just said I'm not magical. It doesn't have to be a magical tiger. <laughs> like, that's some wonderful back and forth dialogue there. It's so good. Um, another bit that was very, like, Ralph Wiggum-esque was there's this character, the Beast, which we'll go into... And uh, it can take different forms. And the first form it is in is this, like, big, basically a big bad wolf. Like, it's a wolf that's, like, ferocious and trying to attack them. And it has these, like, really pretty eyes. The eyes are big, but it has all these, like, colorful swirls around the eyes. And so it gives this almost kind of hypnotic look to it. And it pops out from everything else. We'll talk about the style coming up. But it clearly pops out from everything. Greg is like stuck in a barrel and this wolf is like peering down at him like could easily kill him and he's like like you have beautiful eyes <laughs> that's he like no fear whatsoever <laughs> he's just transfixed and the beast does in fact have beautiful eyes so uh you know he's not wrong uh i've got a few others but uh what do you got uh in that same uh moment in that same episode possibly right around the same time uh greg is trying to uh come up with an idea to get away from the beast and he takes reaches his hand down in his pants where he keeps all his candy and just like (laughs) flings it up like confetti and goes candy camouflage run 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 he says as he's running (laughs) and it's so cute yes run 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 run. another favorite god greg (laughs) killing it Uh, another moment I like is the brother, well, I, I, I wouldn't say the brothers get mad at each other cause they don't cause Greg is never like 
mad or negative. So Wirt gets mad at his brother um, because of some issues that happen with the uh, the talking bluebird, Beatrice. Um, so Wirt says, this is near the end of the show, but Wirt says to Greg, if you don't trust me, you don't have to follow me. If you want to go look for Beatrice, go ahead. You can do anything you want. And Greg says, anything? That's a lot of power. <laughs> yes. And it's amazing coming from a child. It's so good. <laughs> so good. I had another one I'm trying to find. Oh, um, another episode I love. Uh, it's the first time John Cleese is in, ep- in an episode. Um, <laughs> he plays kind of a guy that's going a little crazy. But basically... They're hanging out with John Cleese, who lives in a giant mansion. He's very rich because they want to get some money from him uh, by so that they can get to Adelaide. Like, they have to take a ferry. It's a whole thing. So they're in there, and they have, they've picked up this uh, talking horse, uh, and they're debating, should we steal from this guy? And Wirt is firmly against it, and Beatrice and Fred the horse are there. Beatrice is like, we're going to steal from him. And Wirt's like, no, we already stole a horse. Um... Oh, no, Beatrice said, we already stole a horse, like, we're already stealing. And Wirt says, Fred's a talking horse, he can do whatever he wants. And it cuts to Fred the horse, he goes, I want to steal. <laughs> his <laughs> yes. timing and delivery is so perfect. Yes, I had that one as well. I absolutely loved, uh, I want to steal. steal. <laughs> I want to steal. Um, there's a similar one where, um, in a previous episode, where they're like trying to, they you end up finding out they're going to try to raise money for this school. Um, but meanwhile, they have like an antagonist for the moment. And so they're trying to like figure out a way around a problem. And so um, Gregory says, uh, okay, I think he's asleep. Let's go steal his stuff. And uh, the, <laughs> other two, uh, the other two kind of react with horror in that moment. The only other uh, bit of dialogue that I jotted down, um, and there's, there's tons throughout. There's great back and forth, little quips, little lines by characters. I mean, not Greg is the most comedic character, I would say, and he, you know, he's in it more than all these side characters. But there's a lot of funny stuff from uh, you know random like townspeople and village people, people they come across randomly. The village people. Um, yes, yes I, <laughs> I knew you wouldn't leave that one alone. So. Um, <laughs> But there is uh, one exchange I really liked from the pilot. So in the pilot, they are um, they come across like these like vegetable people. They're made out of different types of vegetables. Like it has like a pumpkin for a head and like a watermelon body and stuff. And they're walking around, um, and they they find some guy's house who ends up being named John Crops. And John Crops is presented as like a folksy kind of singer. He's almost like um, Leon Redbone. If anyone knows who he is, he did the voice of the snowman from Elf. And he was like a, you know, a folk, folk, folksy kind of singer, um, bluegrass and things. Anyway, he's kind of presented sort of like that. And uh, they're trying to like get him to help them with something. And so they're on the way to the main town with him in a car, like a vegetable car. And at one point just randomly Wirt says, John Crops, do you have internal organs? And John Crops says, well, I don't rightly know, to be honest. And that's just a fun, crazy little... And then it's never commented on again. Has no impact on the plot. It's just a fun, random bit. Yeah. 
I thought he sounded like Woody Harrelson. Like, I wanted to look that up, and I forgot, but I thought he had a very Woody Harrelson vibe to him. I totally could see that, yes. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, Last funny one I want to touch on is, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but not in this particular conversation, rock facts. Uh, uh, Greg has this rock with a painted face on it that he brings out every once in a while. He'll say something totally nonsensical and then he'll bring out the rock and go, and that's a rock fact. And like, he just does it throughout the episode and, or throughout the show. And I think every time he's like, they're not true. Like it's a rock fact, you know, is a false, false one, but it's very fun to just say, and that's a rock fact. All right. Uh, other characters we want to touch on. I love Beatrice. Yes. I thought she was great. Wonderful. Just this angry, beautiful bird. <laughs> well, she's utterly out for herself. Like that's yes. that's my the note I had for for her character when I was trying to think of how to she describe the main three. Way. And you she's don't know. so bitter and like, yeah. I just love her whole arc. I just thought she was so funny and her like dealing with greg is always really good of just like no i'm not magical it's no (laughs) just like oh my god (laughs) um yeah i really and melanie linsky is the voice and i know you brought that up earlier so she was actually in a movie with elijah wood a couple years ago called i don't want to live in this world anymore oh okay um and it's very good but I was like, oh, those two are reunited. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say that. She's great. She's perfect. perfect she's in a voice. lot of indie stuff, yeah. She's She's got an interesting uh, diction, an in- interesting way of speaking. It's very unique. And when you hear it, you're like, oh, I've heard that voice before. And like you look her up and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen her in a couple things. Mm-hmm. And she's great. She's absolutely perfect in this. I, I could see, Linton, how you're saying that she's out for herself i'm you don't know it at first and then that's her whole arc is eventually she's not but Mm. yeah i i loved that i mean i like the show very much drops you in the first the first episode just starts and it's just happening and you have a ton of questions and it very much eases you into the world and eases you into the backstories and i think it does it really well and it's the same with her she just kind of is stuck in this bush as we talked about and that's how they find her uh, and then you kind of get to know her, and at first she just seems like she's irritated because she's obligated to help them. Um, and then it turns out she's not irritated to help them. She acts like, uh, you guys saved me, so I have to help you. And then it kind of mm-hmm. turns out, no, that's not what's happening. She's trying to use them. Um, I don't know. I love her. Yeah, she's so sassy, and she's always picking on Wirt, the older brother. Uh, <laughs> She calls him, quote, a pathetic pushover who relies on others to make his decisions. No willpower whatsoever. And that's from an episode where she's, like, pushing him around and he, he'll do whatever and then he gets annoyed by it. And But she's not wrong. That's the thing. It's like she's she's hard on work, but she's not wrong about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their interactions are really fun, too. So uh, I just looked up both her and Colin Dean, who plays Greg. And he's done some voices and some different stuff. Um, but uh, one credit he has is from 2012. So before this, 
He's in what looks like to be a funnier die short called Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis Debate Children. So I'm absolutely <laughs> going to have to find that short now. What? Um, because especially like since this kid's like pretty fun and funny, I'm curious to see how that played out against uh, those guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Melanie Linsky. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually look her up, but she I, prior to this, or I have in the past, but I didn't look like before the show. Yeah, she has been a number of things. Um, a lot of it's, um, you know, smaller productions, indie kind of stuff. Um, she I saw she was in The Informant. Um, she was mm. in Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. So she's mm. one of the characters in that. Um, but, uh, like, Flags of Our Fathers, Sweet Home Alabama, Coyote Ugly, mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm a Cheerleader, Detroit Rock City. But the one that surprised me, and I just, I haven't seen this movie in years... Yeah, she is like one of the leads. I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me double check and make in sure. In Lord of the Rings. Not in Lord <laughs> of the Rings. No, but you're actually not far off, Doc. What? She is uh, one of the leads in Hel- Heavenly Creatures from Peter Jackson, who directed oh, the Lord yeah. of the Rings trilogy. Hey, it all comes together. <laughs> yes. Huh. Jack's crazy rantings occasionally are right. They're 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 close to on point. I knew um, it. <laughs> but yeah, she. Uh, I, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. But she and Kate Winslet play um, teenagers who are kind of wrapped up in a fantasy world, and it gets like dark. And I believe it was based on it's like real events, and it was one of Peter Jackson's first films. Mm. So she might be. Um, I wonder if she's from New Zealand, but Kate Winslet isn't. So let me see. I've never heard her with an accent. Yeah, she is. She is from New Zealand. I'm shocked. So that that is like one of her first roles. So she it might have been her first listed. Let me look. Yeah, that's her first listed. So she probably was like discovered for Heavenly Creatures, and then has had a career since wow. then. Uh, I would recommend both of you watch Heavenly Creatures, and that's one we'll do on the show sometime. I was going to say, if we do it on the show, I'll watch it. I mean, I'd watch it otherwise, (laughs) but if we're going to watch it for the show, I'll save it for that. Yeah. For the pod. Uh, All right. Well, so so she's in it. What about some of our other voices, some of our other key voices and characters? I mean, shout out Elijah Wood. He's a great main character. Yes. Doing great work. Like, you know, it's tough to play the straight man in such a fantasy world, but like... I loved him. I thought he was great. He, I saw like a, he was interviewed on Seth Meyers when the show was coming out. Um, And he was like, yeah, I really wanted to do this. Not even for the story part of it, just for the art. He was like, I thought the illustrations were beautiful and I just had to be a part of it. And I was like, I love that. Yeah. Agreed. He's great in it. Um, He, the character he plays Wirt, the older brother, is, uh, I, I guess you could call him a coward, but definitely one of his major things is learning how to not second guess himself, not be a pushover. Like, he's so unsure of himself and has, like, wants and desires, but is like, no, but I can't do that. I can't, can I? Like, very much that constantly. Um... And... We have to keep in mind that Jason Funderburger keeps getting in the way, too. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Freaking Jason Funderburger. <laughs> uh, you find out about halfway through the show um, that that name comes up, and it's, like, basically back in the real question mark world, um, 
Wirt really likes this girl, but thinks that she likes this guy named Jason Funderburker, and he talks him up like he's this. Like, at one point he says, Jason has it all. He's the whole package. I can't compete with that. And then later you meet him, and he's this <laughs> tiny weirdo with this crazy voice, and you're like, The voice Bro. is wild. He, he basically, yeah, he's presented as kind of like, I guess the I guess the best, present, uh, best way to describe him would be like a dweeb. Like, yes. uh, he doesn't have glasses or anything, but he's presented as like, you know, kind of like nerdy and awkward and weird and he's small um, yes. and he sounds like pat from the old saturday night live <laughs> pat mm-hmm. sketches mm-hmm. so he's just like and so Wirt, who is like kind of wrapped up in himself and self-conscious like yes. he believes that this guy is like a romantic threat which is pretty funny i mean it's presented yeah. I, I feel it's presented in a way of like yeah we we get it <laughs> And I just love that, like, it's absolutely not the case. Like, the girl he has a crush on, Sarah, is very obviously into Wirt. Correct. Like, she and... wants him to be around. Yes. And, like, I think Jason Funderburger is, like, dating someone else. Like, they're not even, like... I didn't catch that. Well, he's, like, holding hands with someone else by the end okay. of the night. Oh, but, like, by the yeah. end. Okay, yeah, I could see that. But and definitely... so I'm kind of like, yeah, it's 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 just wild because I'm like, this is worst problem is he doesn't believe in himself. Yes. And yeah. even though it's like blatantly clear that this girl is blatantly. into you. Yes. It's very obvious, <laughs> even though it's small he's like, things. like, oh, man, Jason yeah. Funderburger. <laughs> and like, she's also no. very clearly not into Jason exactly. at all. It's extremely exactly. obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I loved that. It's so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But yeah, he goes through this whole transformation, which is really cool. Um, yeah, Elijah Wood does such a good job of it. He really feels like a like an awkward, angsty teen. It's like very, <laughs> very, very well done. I think that episode where we finally are in the real world was kind of the most jarring for me. Yes. <laughs> of like once... I've gotten so used to this fantasy world and like all these talking animals, all these, you know, magical creatures. And then once we see just teen Wirt in his normal bedroom, I'm just like, oh, what is this? I'm creeped out. Oh, I don't like it. I was completely (laughs) thrown off the first time I see it. I didn't realize what time period it was. Like it shocked me. It was so modern. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hadn't realized it was Halloween. That's the first time it's revealed like the, costumes that everybody's wearing mm-hmm. are costumes you don't know it before that well just well just Wirt and greg everyone in the unknown yes, fair. is is like it's basically like alice wonderland or yes. oz or something they all exist in their own fantasy world but we find out that that Wirt and greg are from our reality um but they are dressed up in these silly kind of costumes throughout the whole thing so these costumes make them fit into the crazy fantasy world like Wirt looks like a gnome and Greg, which we haven't talked about is wearing like this weird kind of like, um, uh, it's like, uh, overalls. overalls. Yeah. Like overalls, but they're like overall with shorts. So they're not long legs. So I don't know what there's a name for that, but so he's wearing that. And then he has a teapot on top of his head, like upside upside down. down. Um, so like the, the spout of the teapot is like coming out in front of his face a little bit. (laughs) So they're wearing that, and so then word, word hat looks like a gnome, has like a gnome hat, essentially, and he has some kind of like weird cloak 
that he's wearing. Um, they look very much like, I mean, the teapot is weird, but otherwise they look very much like part of a fantastical world. Um, and we haven't talked much on the plot, but basically they're just lost. That's what the driving force has been. They don't know where they are. They don't know how to get home. And that instead of the book, instead of going after the Tome of the Unknown, they are trying to figure out how to get home, but home is never specified. There are never any details. In the last few episodes, I noticed some of the dialogue starts to slip into some more colloquialisms, like our reality sayings. I was picking up, I didn't jot them down, but there were a couple points. But for the most part, they play it pretty close to the vest. Mm. And yeah, then it's like, boom, and now we find out that you know, they're act, they actually do come from our reality. Mm-hmm. But Jack, you, you were questioning that a moment ago. I was curious what you meant by that. What I meant by uh, them, when I said I didn't know what time period it was. No, no, no. Earlier, maybe like five minutes ago or something, you said you were kind of questioning of like, you said supposedly or, or whether or not which was the real reality or something like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely, I mean, since they're in this magical world, you don't see technology or anything, and you don't see... At one point, they go into a place and ask for a phone, and that's the only, like, touch mm-hmm. base you have to... Oh, okay, so apparently they know what phones are, or at least Wirt and Greg know what phones are. No one else really does. Um, but there's definitely a... Um... You are trying to figure out the, and you know, the first time I saw this was a couple of years ago. So like trying to dig back into what years ago Madison was thinking. Um, Jack, sorry. <laughs> Who am I? Um, <laughs> so there's definitely a question of like, is this kind of a purgatory? Is this death? Is this like real and they're imagining the other world like there's just they walk that line really well and really nicely and the constant like we're lost and trying to get home but there's no clear way to do it and there's certainly no clear path the entire time they're trying to figure it out but there's no like go see the glinda the good witch i mean there is one of those (laughs) adelaide the witch of the wood or whatever uh i think the good woman of the wood uh but that turns out to be false um Yeah, it's lies. So there's, I it was never necessarily that I was questioning. Yeah, we got to talk about the songs eventually. Um, It just does a good job the whole show of building its own world and making it seem like that's all there is. And then all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, real world invades. It's very strange. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting you said that because, I, I mean, I, this is the third time I never had a disconnect. I mean, I was definitely surprised when I originally watched it and we find out that they come from our reality. Um, but I never had the disconnect of thinking that the fantasy world was anything other than, like, just a straight-up fantasy world. My, my watching it, I've always been kind of like, oh, they're in Wonderland, they're in Oz, they're in you know, Neverland or something Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever kind of fantastical world from fiction where a character, an outside character journeys to this new place. But Mm -hmm. I did read in looking at the background. So when they were doing Tome of the Unknown, I guess like in his original kind of conception of it, they, the beast, which we'll get to the beast, but the beast was actually going to be sort of like, was like a guide but they didn't know it 
and they were in kind of an in-between state status like mm. they were you know like the, the beast was like a kind of like a grim reaper or a spirit or something like that but that it had a greater significance directly to them instead of just being something within this world that existed mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean it seems like you're picking up on some stuff that was buried into the show mm. you know from its original conception yeah, yeah i think this show is very much about death i mean i think in every episode there's a death theme to That's it true. um and I, I thought that was basically it. Like these, um, you know, even the, the, uh, vegetable people, uh, the pumpkin people in the pilot. Oh, in the pilot. In the um, okay. yeah. Potter, like, Potter's field. Yeah. Potter's field was the second um, episode. Pottsfield. Yeah. Pottsfield. Okay. It yes. was a playoff Potter's field. Correct. Potter's field is where poor people are buried, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. And so, and then they're like, they think they're digging their own graves. And then when he's talking to one of the uh, townspeople at the celebration, she's like, I don't think you're ready yet. Yeah, and aren't so you a little early? It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, okay, like they're not supposed to die yet. Um, yeah, just every episode had something in it of just like, um, even like, like the John Cleese uh, episode where he's the rich uncle and uh, yeah, he's like in love with yeah B.B. Newworth's character who he thinks is a ghost and she thinks he's a ghost. And so it's like, oh, we can't be together because uh, one of us is dead. And it's like, turns out neither of them are dead. And <laughs> Hooray! Yeah, it's. It's like, <laughs> it's just a lot of like that theme through it all. And so, I don't know, I thought it was really beautiful of like um, a way to talk to kids about death, <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really cool, um, yeah, thing about the show. It was like, yeah. oh, this is like beautiful and helpful and what a good tool for parents to like show them this and you know they might not get it but you can kind of explain and like and yeah and then uh yeah it's just what how oh, i'm trying to remember well one thing i was going to throw out there um since we we name dropped in there so quincy endicott who is yes. one of john cleese's characters yes. he's the eccentric millionaire <laughs> or whatever of this world um he, uh, this is just a little Easter egg that I never noticed, but when researching this, I came across it in like a little bit of trivia. So when they're in, when Wirt and Gregory are in the real world, at one point they go to a graveyard, yes. um, and they are hiding behind, um, a gravestone because Wirt doesn't want to be seen by like the other teens, um, because he's like super nervous and shit. Anyway, uh, he's hiding behind Quincy Endicott's grave. Yeah. So, you know, you can you can take that as like, all right, so is Wirt getting the idea for his name from that in it, which a lot of fairy tale fantasy stuff has done that, where like real world things have inspired things in the fantasy world? Or is it some sort of portal thing and Quincy Endicott was real? Like, are mm -hmm. they in, you know, I mean, you could, that could be a, you know, a question that like, is that the Quincy Endicott that they meet? Um, you know, in, in the unknown. Um, yeah. But on this uh, subject of death, um, I want to throw out, so the beast 
is a central character. Now, mm-hmm. before we launch into this, we you know we've we've given away some of what some of the reveals of the show. I feel you would still absolutely enjoy the show for so many reasons, even knowing mm-hmm. some of these turns. I don't want us to give away there's some stuff with a beast at the end that I think would be just better, you know, like just let save that for anyone watching. Mm, okay. Um, you can kind of just like, you know, discover it as the show unfolds. But there's other things that we can go into on the beast. So uh, I figure we should uh, launch into that. So the beast is the main antagonist of the show. It's presented as this kind of spirit of the woods, of the forest. It has taken different forms. So it's a wolf, uh, which had taken over a dog. It seemingly was like a turtle that the dog had swallowed, like an all-black turtle. And then later you see like a big bucket full of all-black turtles. And another part with some of the like animals, you see like one of the animals picks up an all-black turtle. So I don't know if the beast is just like turtles constantly like finding new people to like take over um are there other forms other than the beast's main uh there's a couple things aren't there other than the main humanoid form i actually hadn't even connected that uh the dog that ate the turtles or that the black turtles could be connected to the beast that was not something i'd picked up on I think you might be right. I'd have to rewatch it again with that in mind because the turtles, I lost track. At one point, they were showing up in literally every episode, which kind of would lend to that kind of thing of uh, the beast kind of being everywhere. But I thought they were separate entities. I thought the the black turtles, which um, those are the turtles uh, or the turts, which are to be (laughs) burgled, uh, the big barrel of them. And Auntie Whispers just eats them. Um, but she's not evil, and when the dog ate the turtle, it turned evil. Uh, so it's like, that's unclear, I would say. But I can't think yeah. of anything other than that that is hyper-connected to the beast. I know that the beast has the big glowing eyes, and the dog at the beginning had the big glowing eyes. So I could see that connection. I just never made that well, connection. Well, yeah, so, well, Wirt well, and Gregory say it's the beast. They think, I mean, they, they might they not think know. think it because... is. Right. Well, they think it. Well, they think it is, um, and then the woodsman says, "Well, that's not the beast," and it's mm-hmm. like indicates the dog. But see, at that point, the beast had already, or if it was the beast, had already left the dog. So mm-hmm. I, I took the meaning to be like that's not the beast's like true form; that Ooh. it was like taking over that dog. That's what I thought that meant, but mm. I could be you know, confused on that. I thought there was something, I, I thought the eyes, if nothing else was the unifying factor of denoting that that was the beast. But I, that's interesting though. I should look up like fan theories on that and see if people think they're like separate things. And I didn't notice all the other like turtles throughout. So that's a cool egg in there. If it's uh, if it's all in different episodes, mm-hmm. but regardless of whether or not there's a direct connection with that wolf um the beast is out there in the forest and other characters are aware of him and what he has done is he has basically made christopher lloyd's character his servant where he has to keep a lantern lit and to do that uh if he doesn't then like the soul of his daughter essentially like disappears um and I said at the top of the episode that it's like this is one of Christopher Lloyd's b- 
best roles in quite some time. Yep. So I was mm-hmm. uh, very happy to see him in this. Uh, he's got, I mean, everybody knows he has an amazing voice and he's done a lot of animation over the years. Probably one of the earliest things I saw him in outside the Back to the Future stuff was when he was the voice of Rasputin, I think, or a character yes. inspired by Rasputin yes. in, uh, <laughs> in the DuckTales movie. He was the, no. the evil, uh, yeah. So, no, and um, Anastasia. And Anastasia, you monster. No. no, he no, he is in the DuckTales movie. I, I believe Rasputin? you, but neither of us thought you were going there. That's no. definitely I'm, not what we're I'm, both like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, we're with you. I'm, Wait, sorry, I'm sorry I chose the much better film. What? No, that was fighting words. <laughs> also, Page Master. He was horror oh, yeah, in Page that's right. Master. Yeah. That's pretty great. Totally. <laughs> he played Rasputin twice in animated movies. Two times. I mean, so I'm good pretty sure it. it's he, it was inspired by Rasputin. It's been a while. Let me look it up. <laughs> Somebody Duck else Tales talk movie. talk the talk Duck more. Talk more. I'll, t- I'll talk Christopher about Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Uh, he plays the woodcutter <laughs> in this, as we yeah. mentioned, and he throughout the series, you do not know if he is an antagonist. Or if he is a good guy, like mm-hmm. I, like protagonist usually means like more main character, but he's very gray, and I really appreciate that. Based on the episode, you're like, oh no, he's trying to ruin them, or oh, I think he's trying to help them. It's very confusing, and by the end, it all makes sense. Like it mm-hmm. actually all fits together really well. What some lesser shows would just do that for the plot. Uh, change it up for the plot and this doesn't like his character is quite consistent makes a lot of sense he's just a grizzled old man who is very concerned about this lantern and about uh, chopping down this specific type of tree he called mm. it an edelwood edelwood yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's got to cut down these trees and make oil out of it to keep the lamp burning because the lamp requires the specific oil uh, and it said pretty early on that this lantern that he's carrying around, which is like a different color, it's a much clearer, a, a much whiter color than like a yellow you would expect from a burning uh, fire lantern. Um, it said pretty early on that, yeah, the soul of his daughter is in there and the beast keeps threatening him. Like, you've got to keep cutting down these trees uh, or else it, that'll fade out. And just Christopher Lloyd is so good in it. Like, mm-hmm. no one could have done it better. He's perfect in this role. Loved it. Loved him. As he is in every role. As he is in every role. You're right. So Christopher Lloyd in the DuckTales movie played the sorcerer Murloc, who absolutely was based on like, uh, you know, an all powerful like Rasputin type magician. And Uh that came out in 1990. Anastasia was 97. Okay. All right. It's the OG Christopher Lloyd. Voice acting um, performance. Yes. Apparently, you've got to put that uh, movie on the show, Lynn, because none of us jumped to that. That so. was so. It was so funny laid out of like you said Rasputin, and then you went Ducktales movie. Here's the thing: the Ducktales was like. I mean, I know Woo. I'm somewhat older than both of you, but Ducktales was fucking huge. Like it was. A it was big great. Deal. Oh yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was bigger than the Anastasia movie ever was. <laughs> Culturally, lies. What? Not true. No. no. Wait. Okay. okay. Well, well, sorry. Sorry. You're saying Ducktales. <laughs> he's saying Ducktales. The show yeah. is bigger than Anastasia. Okay. I. You might I be able don't. to argue that one. Yes. 
I'm not. I'm going to say Ducktales the movie, the movie was not bigger not than bigger Anastasia. Than, yeah, I will because well, well, I didn't even well, know it existed until this moment. And uh, I am the arbiter of it, what is famous. Yes, obviously. Yes. <laughs> looking at it, Ducktales the movie didn't do particularly well at the box office. Anastasia actually did do pretty yes, decent business. It was a big deal. Do you not I, know this? So when's our Ducktales movie? I episode? mean, I, well, <laughs> I also like. I I've seen some or most of Anastasia. You I don't, haven't I don't... seen that movie. <gasps> oh my yeah. god, Linton. Anyway. Oh my god, it's all coming out. Anyway, so this this weird turn we're taking when I was merely trying to sing the praises of one Christopher Lloyd, and far be it that far be it from me to talk to millennial women and not know oh everything god. about the Anastasia we're like the animated same film. Age. Good lord. I didn't say I was outside of that range. I'm saying you are millennial women. Is that not correct? Oh, so the problem is that we're women. That's so yes, the millennials are the problem. You <laughs> twist it however you want, Jack, but uh, we're arriving at the same conclusion These here. These females and their Anastasia. Oh, God. I'm just what saying if it? Eric was on this show, I wouldn't be getting shit from him. That's all I'm saying. You might still be at that Mm. About having never seen Anastasia, yeah. Maybe. Like I said, I've seen I've seen enough of it. I never thought it was like anything, you know, oh particularly my... great. Interesting. Oh my Interesting. God. I feel like if we keep talking about this, this is going to be the rest of the episode. <laughs> I so know. We're going to have to just we have to cut put a pin in this right now and just move uh-huh. on. Yeah, just got to stop. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd's great in all his Rasputin roles. We can agree yep. on yeah. that. <laughs> multiple Rasputin roles, <laughs> and he's great in this. He's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, also on the beast, uh, I really like how they present the beast, like both in the wolf form, if that is him, and then in other points when he's in like humanoid form, because we've already talked about this a bit. Like the show has a good amount of darkness to it, and uh, yeah. you know, like it it pushes the envelope. It's not like excessively violent or anything, but like really little kids could be freaked out by some of this stuff. Oh, um, which isn't, definitely. Which isn't bad. I mean, I there's tons of stuff we all grew up with that has dark shit. I'm sure Ghostbusters Anastasia. Ghostbusters 2? Yes, <laughs> and Anastasia, honestly, but, yes. There's some you know, weird very stuff. Very creepy. Like, yeah. like I, I, you know, we all watched Willy Wonka. There's stuff that's <laughs> fucked up uh, people from Wizard of Oz. The Witches, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. 1980s oh, Witches yeah. movie. Totally. There's all kinds of stuff we grew up with that's like, yeah, that was pretty messed up, but we watched it and we're okay. We're so fine. We grew up fine. Kids these days. <laughs> so there's there's some stuff like that in this where there's some like real intensity and the beast is part of that. And I, I don't want to like, you know, reveal too much, but I did send an image to these folks um, <laughs> that there is a point where you actually see the beast's true form just very briefly near the end of the mm-hmm. show. Because he's always like presented basically in the shadows, or he just is shadow. You don't, you kind of accept that that's just what he looks like. Mm-hmm. But then you mm-hmm. find out that there's actually a, a more correct form of him, and uh, it's on screen. It's probably all of four or five frames because yeah, they that, do a, they yeah. do a thing yeah. with lighting, and I think it's only like a single frame where he's actually fully lit. So it's like partially lit. Fully lit, partially lit, and then darkness on either side. Um, so cool. And that image, that still image of his true form is so good. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love Haunting. it. Haunting. Yes. And animation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But yeah. even the the wolf form, like with the crazy eyes and the snarling, yeah. like, it's really creepy. It, the Very animation scary. on that too. Mm -hmm. I I like what you said. Yeah, like this harkens back to yeah, just like when cartoons were fucking creepy for kids. <laughs> like <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know if they are this anymore. Like I think a lot of the Cartoon Network shows are just like. I don't know, just cheesy and sugary and, you know, I I just loved this because it made me feel really nostalgic for, like, I don't know. What I kept thinking of was, like, Courage the Cowardly Dog because <laughs> I was, like, oh, I'm, like, very, even though this is, like, a very pretty, like, forest they're walking through, like, some I'm uneasy. I'm uneasy this entire yeah. time. And yeah. so that's kind of what, like, Courage was for me. Courage was creepier, mm. but, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed the, like, oh, something is not right yeah. in every episode. You're never, you're never sure what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I actually remember the first time watching it through uh, episode two, the, the Pottsfield episode that we've talked about, where... They end up at this town, and everybody's got a pumpkin head, and it's like something's real off about it, and you're just yeah. not sure what. And I remember well, and when the, first... the, the bluebird explicitly says yeah. that something's wrong. Beatrice <laughs> is like, this is messed up. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> uh, and I just remember thinking, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, is this going to go real bad? Like, is this going to go... <laughs> horrifyingly bad it, because i episode two you don't know what kind of show it is yet no you're still learning about the show uh and it's still strange and weird you know there was all the the crazy angry dog in the first one already first episode touching on some real dark stuff and i was like is this gonna be very bad and then it turns out okay and it's that's kind of the whole show is you can trust the show i think is my point um it goes the stories are not just out to mess you up in the head. It's not a show that's trying to uh, hurt you uh, <laughs> in certain ways. There's some shows that are just like, we're going to mess with your brain and you're going to remember it forever. It doesn't, it takes dark turns, but they're not dark turns that are A, too dark, or B, just to do a dark turn. The story is so tight for this show. Like, you talk about how it might have been 18 episodes, and part of me is like, that would have been amazing. Eight more episodes in this world would be awesome. And another part of me is like, you don't need to add a drop to this to make it better. It is so good as it is. And even episodes that have, like, some fluff. Like, I would argue the uh, episode where they go on the steamboat with the frogs. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, doesn't, don't love it, don't hate it, but there's a lot of the first like 10 minutes of that episode are like okay this is just well, it's only 11 right i know i was just generalizing the first yeah. large chunk of the show yeah i guess this is what i do to you guys all the time so that's fine um <laughs> but it's like oh all right this is just kind of fun and then but the end of the episode is like what it's very because that's when they finally get to adelaide uh mm -hmm. and it takes real quick turns real fast and it's very good um and I don't know if it needs more. Yeah, uh, Eric, Eric, who couldn't make it on this episode, we did talk a little bit on the phone because uh, I, I did want to hear his thoughts on it. I figured he would love it, and he did. He said he wanted to, um, he was going to be like going with his girlfriend to visit her mom in a couple weeks again, and um, 
they would uh, they would be like with her uh, the girlfriend's niece, and uh, he was gonna try to get them to watch this with the niece oh, nice. because he thought that you know this would Aww. be good to watch with her. So like so that was cool. But yeah, we talked about um, he, he one of the questions he asked me was, are they making more? And this was like from from 2014. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've never heard that they are. I'll talk about it a little bit at the end here. But uh, but I told him, it's like, well, they probably shouldn't just so it can just stay mm-hmm. perfect forever. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like yeah, it's, 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 you know, I, as I've said on this podcast many times, I am a huge fan of the Back to the Future series. And there's tons of people who want them to do another one. And, and one of the issues that they don't want to is like Michael J. Fox's health problems mm-hmm. um if if that wasn't a case then they would possibly mm. consider it but even oh. without that but no but even without that though just to assuage your fears <laughs> the, uh, bob gale and bob zemeckis actually control the rights it's insane but they control the rights to the property and they are adamant so that it will never happen while they're while they're alive any kind Good. of remake or anything so then yeah. just that series is never ruined and so yes. that's kind of a thing with like over the garden wall it's like as much as yeah give me more of this i and i and i told him like the show's so brief that i'm sure i'm sure you could like it it has a it's a complete story has a beginning middle and end and it it finalizes it i told him i'm sure you could do two more seasons and you could each time could be like a self-contained thing so let's Mm -hmm. say like the next season like a member of the unknown comes back and we need your help. We're, you know, almost like in a mm-hmm. fucking Doc mm-hmm. Brown kind of way. Like, you, gotta, you, gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's like each season you could, th- there could be some kind of uh, reason for entering the unknown. Um, but that said, it isn't needed. And mm-hmm. uh, even though I think they likely could pull it off, it's just kind of perfect and wonderful and complete as is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so probably just leave it be. Um, yeah. But you, uh, you mentioned the, the Pottsfield thing I just wanted to throw out when we were talking about the horror elements. So, yeah, that, that sequence, I've been watching a lot of uh, folk horror recently and been posting mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, so look us up on uh, Uncanny Cinema on, on Twitter at, at Cinema Uncanny. And I've been posting like just like short reviews of different uh, folk horror uh, shows and movies and stuff I've been watching. Anyway, that plays very much like folk horror of these outsiders coming into yes. this like f- town festival, and it plays like mm-hmm. to the beats of folk horror. Where, you know, I'm saying like The Wicker Man, Midsummer, like as the you know the really high examples of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's like played super creepy. There's this gigantic pumpkin entity. There's all these people <laughs> dressed as pumpkins. That's Enoch, but then by there's... the way. Okay, oh, that yeah. was Enoch. Okay, that was Enoch. So there's yeah. this gigantic entity that's like five times bigger than like a person with a huge pumpkin head oh. at the top and it's a horrifying voice. I mean, it's <laughs> and, like so yeah. deep and menacing. So good. Well, yeah. well, and the voice and the voice, it sounds it's menacing, but it's folksy. It almost yes. sounds like Baloo from the mm. jungle book. It I has this, like that. this casual kind of like, like, Oh, I'm just here to help you son. Yes. Uh-huh. And this Turned kind of thing all the way up. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I can't do the voice exactly, but, but the, uh, but some of the dialogue once they, uh, confront Wirt and Gregory and Beatrice is like, uh, it's something along the lines of, so you come into our town, you come into our festival, you destroy, you trample our crops. And they like, he just like lists all these transgressions. And if this was a legit horror movie, 
like shit's going down yeah. in this moment and the the cartoon plays it that way like that yeah. like how dark are we going with this show and then they undercut it and it's like you know that, that they have to be punished and then it's like oh you just need to do a few hours of manual labor and then it's just like played <laughs> as kind of a joke but then later they think they're digging their own grave so you kind of like yes. there's this back and forth of where as the audience we're in their shoes of kind of like how dark is this how far yeah. are we going so i mean as the show goes along you get a sense of like all right well this show is not going to like ever show some like horrific violence or anything but it still can be really creepy and unsettling mm -hmm. yes i feel like we need to touch on in my mind there are two elements we haven't touched on that we need to touch on one is the animation we've kind yes. of like talked about it but we haven't really talked about it what a great sentence i just did and the other piece jack is... do words good so good that's why i on podcast uh other pieces music we have not talked about the music much at all yes uh those are both on my list and we absolutely need to so let's dig into the visuals it's stunning i don't know like every <laughs> every scene every frame every frame of painting uh it's beautiful <laughs> it's so beautiful and of course fall is my favorite season uh and because so it's, it's wonderful the best one. because it's the best one we all know this it's fine we all know <laughs> uh in theory it's when the, it gets chilly and the leaves fall down but uh not anymore <laughs> not anymore yay ohio it's gonna uh, be 80 on sunday <laughs> Shut up! Stupid weather. So mad. Anyway, so this is really just uh, wish fulfillment watching this show where it's like breezy and it's colorful uh, and warm and lovely. And folksy is a great word to throw at this because, like, they go to so many little small towns, small villages, or like um, a little bar in the middle of nowhere and there's like <laughs> a candlestick maker and everything in there. It's. The colors are gorgeous, and I, I'm not surprised, Jess, that you're like, let's get a tattoo of this, because it really mm -hmm. lends itself to art. It's stunning. Love to watch it. Yeah, it was kind of perfect today. I binged the whole thing today. Nice. Um, as I was working from home. We'll do quote, unquote. <laughs> Don't share this one with your boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Yeah, it was like a rainy, gray day all day today. So, like, cozy up on the couch, binged this with a little puppy sleeping on my lap. Like, oh, it was perfect. great. It was amazing. Um, yeah, it really got me in, like, the fall mood. Um, just because I think it's, yes. yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, it's so, I don't know. Like, I didn't expect the art level from this <laughs> series just because it's such a weird story and just kind of like off the wall but then like such care was taken in every frame of like mm, I just I loved it yeah it's all presented it's it's gorgeous the right and it's all presented like storybook art fairy tale art illustrations that yes. you would see in a book um it's very whimsical and uh it's because it has the halloween backdrop in reality some of that kind of bleeds over like in the world of the unknown uh i feel like it's it's fall throughout 
and possibly always fall there. You know, you don't really know, but uh, but it could just it's be winter corresponding towards the end. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, I well, I did see that originally. I guess he was going to have them work, oh, yeah. and Gregory were going to enter at Halloween, and they weren't going to get home until Christmas. That's right. So, so they would have been like, sense. they would have been missing uh, originally, but mm-hmm. um, but in this, that's basically kind of like a Dorothy, you know, hit on the head, and you know they're found moments later, whatever. Um, but I did see that some of the sources for the uh, look of it um in in the animation was like old halloween illustrations so if you've ever seen any old halloween decorations from like 20s 30s 40s they're Mm. often amazing they look awesome um (laughs) there's some vintage places that uh, do some and uh worth tracking down and getting for your house um gustav dore who was a famous illustrator he did uh, don quixote illustrations so they oh, yeah. parti- they particularly named him for that but i know I've, I've i have a book of some of his stuff he also did um he also did like little red riding hood and other fairy tales mm-hmm. and he did other major works of literature so this like that kind of woodcut style yes um and Hans Christian Andersen illustrations, like from mm-hmm. his books. John Tenniel's illustrations from the Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass books. Those are very famous. Um, and then uh, Magic Lantern slides, which I hadn't thought of, but that makes a lot of sense. So, like, those little images you would put in front of a lantern to, like, oh, put yeah. something up on a wall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then some other, other vintage sources that they were pulling from. So it just makes the whole – like, you could have told this story is just – Oh, these characters go to this magical world, and there's talking frogs, and there's this yeah. and that. Like, and it could have worked, <laughs> but the fact that they added all of this to the color palette and the the visual language of it, like, you didn't need that to make this story work, but it amplifies it so much more mm-hmm. by having that. Yes. I also read or saw a YouTube video. I kind of did both, uh, <laughs> approaching this um, that. The time period, people think it's like specifically the 1970s, um, mm. because in in reality, yeah, in in reality, it's the 70s um, because they, uh, well, Wirt is giving Sarah a cassette, yeah, um, and she the party they go to has like the gaudy floral wallpaper that was popular in the 70s. Okay. Um, very retro, and she's also wearing her jacket is like a uh, flight jacket. I, I can't remember what it is, but it's something. Yeah. Another clue that it's like set in that time period. I did. Uh, looks like Jack is going to completely obliterate your theory, <laughs> but it's but true. before she does, I will throw out. I wasn't like looking for that in the reality portion. Mm-hmm. But on this viewing, I did think about one of the things that ties in the reality portion is that Wirt makes this tape of like poetry and clarinet uh, in yeah. a very kind of like, you know, weepy teen way for this girl he's interested in. So, you know, people our age grew up playing tapes and making tapes to some degree mm-hmm. of like copying things and stuff. But obviously we grew up in the, then CDs became mm-hmm. the popular medium. My brother, who's, you know, somewhat older than me, like tapes were like, he made mixtapes if he was making stuff. And then we got into like making mix CDs. And then you eventually like people are making just like iTunes playlists. So the fact that Wirt is not making a CD for her 
and is not making a uh, like a playlist for her. Now you could say, well, maybe it's the recording technology, but it did seem weird if he's supposed to be say like 14 and mm-hmm. that he has just like, like a tape, like he he's using it. Like, I mean, you could say yeah. kids get stuff from their parents. Maybe it's just sitting around the house, but that does make me question of like, was this supposed to be 2014 or is it supposed to, I, I was putting it maybe like eighties or nineties with that inclusion. And it's also like, she mentions she doesn't have a tape player. So he's That's like, come thing. over to mine. But I'm like, yes. oh, maybe she doesn't have one yet. Like, maybe that's new. Like, I don't know. Because he seems kind of ahead of the curve, like, technology-wise. I don't know why. I'm just basing this off of nothing. But, like, um, <laughs> I think he would be, like, someone who, yeah, would just be one of the first to have a tape player and be like the kind of introverted kid who is really good with music and like all this stuff. And so she's like, I don't even have a tape player yet. And he's like, well, come over. (laughs) Uh, That was the piece I was going to bring up is that she specifically says, she doesn't say yet. She just goes, I don't have a tape player. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you can come over. It's fine. Uh, And it's a whole moment at the end where he's very uh, assertive, not in a, (laughs) in a weird way, but in a very good way. Um, I I think it's a stretch to say it's in the 70s. They do deliberately make it very... Even in the real world, they are deliberate in not trying to base it in any real specific time period, but I Mm. do think it's supposed to be modern. She doesn't say, whoa, a tape. It's just kind of like, huh, a tape? (laughs) There's there's definitely a timelessness since everyone's everyone's wearing Halloween costumes and none of them are like... You know, none of them are dressed as Batman or like nothing identifiable yeah. to a specific yeah. era. And then the only other main place they go to other than the they go to a graveyard, a party, and they go to a high a school football, football game. game. And which and is like people have been doing that, you know, like teens going to football games for decades. So, yeah, so it does <laughs> leave it kind of like could be <laughs> 70s up to modern. Yeah. So it's kind of whatever. I honestly, I just wanted to bring up, like, when I would see images for this show, I just thought it was about a gnome. (laughs) Like, I thought it was like David the Gnome. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, don't be (laughs) trashing David the Gnome. No, I love it. I love it. That's, I mean, I was super excited to watch it, even if it was. (laughs) But, like, the fact, like, that was such a... Yeah, I can't emphasize, emphasize enough how jarring that reveal was. That they so were, strange. Like, from the real world. And yes. he doesn't always wear this little hat and jacket. And... <laughs> it's so just, well done. what? And I never questioned, like, the upside-down teapot on the head. I was like, yeah, they're just, like, fantasy creatures. Yes. It's great. Yes, Which, it by the out... way, we haven't... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, spoiler, because I definitely didn't see this coming... Uh, it's revealed in the episode, it's the uh, penultimate episode, second to last episode, where they go to the real world. Jack does words good. <laughs> Listen, I gotta make up for my dumb sentence earlier. <laughs> I ain't no fool. I'm a little bit of a fool. So, they explain... The antecedent to the final episode. <laughs> yes, Jack? <laughs> uh, Greg's costume is revealed. The whole time he just has this upside down silver teapot on his head. And like Jess just said, you've just accepted at this point. It's just like, yeah, okay, that's just how it is. Turns out he has actually thought through it. It's his costume. 
he's an elephant. Like that's <laughs> that's his way of being an elephant, and it's the cutest and the best. And Greg is perfect. And but I, I also him. love how like um, the gr- so they go to the football game, and Greg <laughs> runs up to these group of girls. Uh, yeah, he wants to give the tape to Sarah. And uh, so they stop him because they're like, oh, my God, you're so cute. Like, you're adorable. They're fawning over him. And then uh, they, he tells them what his costume is. And then they're immediately, like, not impressed. <laughs> they're yes. Like, yes. Like, oh, great. <laughs> one girl is one girl's Why are dressed you as an egg. Him? I know, right? Yeah. One girl, her costume is just a whole egg. She's just egg, an and she egg. goes, "I'm an egg," and they're like, "Shut up!" Everyone knows you're an egg. It's just, it's so stupid. I love it so much. Yeah. But yep. yeah, I was like, "Wow!" They Jess just, is like... tattooing on her body as we speak. I'm an egg. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah, that was that was perfect. I was just like blown away by how i was like i never yeah never questioned why greg had an upside down teapot on his head i know just seemed really in character (laughs) sorry i just noticed in my notes that i wrote down from this episode the real world episode i just wrote down jason funderberger has got the worst voice (laughs) that's what i wrote down in my notes (laughs) it's so creepy it's so whiny and like Hi, hi, work. Are you coming to the party? It's so bad. (laughs) Um. Oh, we haven't talked about the frog enough. Oh. All right. Well, let's let's get to the frog in a sec. I want to throw out real quick. uh, We were talking about a couple detail things. Um, One thing I did not know until I read this as trivia: Wirt actually has a black shoe and a brown shoe apparently throughout Mm -hmm. the whole series. Yep. I never caught that. I think they're untied too. One. One. Uh, Yeah. Then episode three, they get untied a lot. That's when I noticed. And then another minor little thing that they add, again, not needed for the show, but just enhances the show a bit. So they're going for this old-timey look, this throwback vintage style and everything in the presentation. So they do, I don't know the term for it, but they make, it's basically the the image is an oval, a vignette, but they don't actually, but I thought like vignettes when you actually close it off. So you I don't can, know but it can a, be it can be it can be open. Okay, is, yeah. So basically, the the image is still widescreen like we would know, but if you watch both the like any any of the the edges of the screen and then any of the corners of the screen, mm-hmm. you see that it gets softened and blurry. Like if a character standing there, their their legs and stuff will be like softened, and then the rest of their body is not. And so it's in this kind of oval shape, which throws back to like old. 1920s movies and things yeah. that would often do that. Um, so that's just a little added bit. Uh, but the frog, and go for no, it. No, no, no. I want to go back to the vignette thing because yeah. when I super noticed it was the Cloud City episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was when I was like, oh my God, why are they keep doing, like switching back and forth? That was a slightly different thing where they're like making it just a ver- a circle in the middle, right? Most of the screen oh, is yeah. black and it's just yes. a circle in the middle. I couldn't figure out thing. what that was about. I, I think didn't... that is about 1920s movies, like where they yeah. would. That was my guess as well, because they were doing it. It looks like somebody's looking through a telescope. Yeah, uh, like you just and have I... this perfect circle in the middle of animation. So was that sad creature that they showed, like looking at them? Like I don't know, because they like 
are introducing all the welcoming committees. <laughs> the I think that was just supposed committee. to be a random, random I know, it just joke. kept going back and forth, so I couldn't figure out, like, what the purpose was. That episode was very heavily animated, like, more, um, very early black and white type yes. animation. Yeah, it and looks so like, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's a weird episode when uh, Greg... <laughs> Go, falls asleep, goes into like this cloud city, and there's some funny moments that happen. But a lot of that is harkening back to very, very old animation. Uh, and, and we it, uh, we are seeing this in Greg's dream, so this yeah. is Greg's vision of things. And it actually kind of reminded me, Jack, you were on this episode back when we did uh, the episode for uh, World of Tomorrow, and one of the yes. characters of Triangle Land. Yes. And they go into Triangle Land, which is through the eyes of a child. So uh, Greg's version of like like happiness or heaven or something is this like crazy cartoon world. Uh, and there are fun. like, there's a character that looks like Wirt. There's like characters mm-hmm. that look like all the people that he's recently interacted with. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, it's just like, it's very cool how like, dreamlike they made it and yeah yeah agreed all right jess frog us up yeah (laughs) this frog like i i couldn't figure out like i read somewhere a fan theory that he's like their guardian he's kind of like guiding them through this weird purgatory thing they're in not even purgatory because they're not like dead yet but like not dead yet not dead yet (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed him, and I love that, you know, his name changes every episode, and they always update the credits, too, like, if you read the credits. I didn't notice that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't love the, uh, showboat episode, but I liked that he got to have a moment where he was he like very humanoid and he got to sing and yes. it was very good. Guys, there's yeah. a lot of frog tattoos out there too. So oh, I'll bet. Well, frogs heavily. Yeah, the frog is in every. Jess episode. is going for the face tat with the frog. So. <laughs> yes, just right here. Uh, I have a list here of all the names of the frog throughout the show, which I will Amazing. now read: Kitty, Wirt, mm-hmm. Wirt Junior. George Washington, Mr. President, Benjamin Franklin, those last three were all one episode, Dr. Cucumber, Greg Jr., Skipper, Ronald, and Jason Funderburger. <laughs> it cracked me up great. every time. Like, yep. every time you realize the name is different, I was just like, ugh, I love this. It's so good. <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. President was very good. Oh, and the frog has uh, has a beautiful singing voice. That is yes. Jack mm-hmm. Jones. Yes. Who, uh, like I said, was kind of like a crooner. Um, he, uh, I think I have some of his stuff, uh, some files of his stuff. But he's got this, like, uh, really deep, very pleasant voice. And he also opens and sings the key, yes. like, opening theme song so as, the, as the frog. He's, like, playing at the piano. And it, it, the show opens in this, like, there's just darkness and there's just light on this frog playing a piano. Hmm. The piano kind of spins around. And it has this very dreamlike quality with this gorgeous music. And it's just like, just little like tinkling piano keys. Um, so every episode is just sort of wonderful for that aspect alone of bringing you into this. Jack, yes. you had something? Oh, I was just going to say a line that I missed from Greg 
that uh, is one of those things that make him sound a lot older than he is, uh, or that sounds like he got from somebody older. He, when he's trying to chase the frog at one point, he goes, that frog's giving me the run around. It's so cute. <laughs> well, it yes. seems like Greg hangs out with old people a it lot, must like be, in yeah. real life. Like, because when we meet him in the yeah. real world, he, uh, this old woman has asked him to like do chores for her, basically. I can't remember which one he was doing, but like something in the garden. And he's like, yeah, she said if I do this, she'll give me candy. And Wirt's like, it's Halloween, candy's free. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he's like, no, I'm going to do this. I, well, I but- love that. Like, well, but that, but then he responds with like, "Old Lady Ross says nothing in this world." So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I think he just like quotes Old Lady the Daniels in his way. Daniels okay. a lot. Yeah, uh, nothing in this world is free. There was also a great bit where he was yes. like, "Bye, thanks, Old Lady Daniels." She's like, "You're welcome. Please don't call me Old Lady." <laughs> and, and he says, "Yes, Lady, sir, young man." Young man. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so good. Uh, All right, music. Music, yay. Wow, yes. The music is so fun, and I Mm -hmm. kept thinking, like, because it's very, like, ragtime-ish, like, the background music, Um, and I was like, do I know any of these songs? Are they all original? Like, did they write all of these for? Okay, because I was like, I I don't Yeah, it all sounded familiar, but yeah. Sorry. I have a good number of like stuff like 20s, 30s and like standards and stuff. So I've never heard any. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible one or two could be adapted, but I'm pretty sure all of these are straight originals. And it's mm-hmm. like I think it's like a group called like the Blasting Company or something. Ooh. I think Ooh, they Emma. did all of it. <laughs> um, it is on vinyl. I mm. have it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> quick story about the vinyl. So one time. I was at my friend's house and we were playing this uh, this board game uh, and we didn't know it at the time, but it turns out it's an extraordinarily long board game. We call it Timmy Stories, but it's Time Stories, T.I.M.E, but the E has no dot after it. Anyway, we're like, oh, let's, let's listen, listen. I know. I'm a great storyteller. I talk good. We've established. So... My friend decides to throw on the vinyl because, uh, you know, we all like the show and it's great. But this game goes on for hours and hours. Oh, this, and so... Is this from Adventure Time? Is what from Adventure Time? Well, you said you said you all like the show, so what? No, we like are... Over the Garden Wall. Oh, uh, okay, so the vinyl we're, for we're this. Listen... Okay, yeah, I, I thought, I thought you meant wall. for the game or something. I said, no, no. Um, so we throw on the vinyl for Over the Garden Wall and set it to, like, repeat. If you can't, I think you can do that with a record player. We must have, because it was over and over for hours we were listening to this music. And it's not that I got sick of it, but I will say every time that um, Potatoes and Molasses came I was up, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, this is the sixth time I've heard this. Again. <laughs> And it's great, I, but as far as uh, if you're compiling a list of best to worst songs in the show, Thanks. all of which, like even the worst song, still a great song, Potatoes and Molasses. <laughs> Probably like, bottom fits, of the barrel. <laughs> fits perfectly in the moment. It's great in the episode, but it's not one that you're like, ooh, I want to listen to this on a fall day with like a nice cup of tea. No, that <laughs> one is 
from episode three, Greg's trying to cheer up a bunch of sad animals who were at school. Uh, and they're eating plain mashed potatoes and everybody's sad. And he's like, we're going to put molasses on these potatoes and sing about it. Everybody's going to be happy. And yeah, that's, oh my God. I would be sadder. I would be more sad if I had molasses on my potatoes. I know, right? That's gross. On that note, uh, Jack knows I make uh, these Halloween playlists every year. Um, and like the last couple of years I've started like posting them for people and I had to give them titles. I'd never given them titles before. So I gave them titles like based on what was on the playlist. And so I remember this from last year. So I found the Facebook post. So one of the episodes, uh, one of the playlists I named potatoes and molasses <laughs> and my friend, Sarah, who has a couple of young children <laughs> posted, well, great. Now it's stuck in my head again. Yes, <laughs> it gets in there and it doesn't leave. <laughs> it's yeah. very catchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one in the, uh, the Adelaide song. Uh, I love which I think the Adelaide you also song. sang earlier, Lynn. To mm-hmm. Adelaide, yep. to Adelaide, we're going to Adelaide's house today. Yeah, it's very catchy and very fun. <laughs> Greg just um, coming up with these little songs off the off the well, yeah, top the, of his dome. There's the goofy ones from Greg, but then yeah. there's other ones that are, you know, this ragtimey or folk sounding. Some mm-hmm. of them are like jump, you know, like jumpy, lively kind of songs. Some of them are like slow and creepy. Uh, yes. the one, the Highwayman, oh. which yes. is like a creepy song. I mean, there's a lot of the good. Like I, I mentioned the playlist. Like I put a number of over the garden walls mm-hmm. songs on my playlist, not just because it's about Halloween, but like so many of them fit like a mm-hmm. Halloween playlist. Yes. So there's like creepy ones. There's the song that opens the show and closes. Ugh, there's one it. that closes the show, and mm-hmm. so some of them are just like slow and kind of hauntingly beautiful Mm -hmm. uh like classical based so there's a lot of different styles but all of the styles feel throwback and vintage at Mm -hmm. at no point does it nothing feels older than like the 1930s or 40s that's about the high point that you could even say is probably you know older than that Mm -hmm. but there's nothing that's going to sound modern there's not going to be anything that sounds like rock or rap or anything like that so it's all like throwback styles classical folk you know um uh you just mentioned ragtime mm-hmm. jazz there's some jazzy things yes. john philip souza sounding <laughs> stuff i yeah. think with uh with the frogs and yeah so uh yeah the music uh is one of the best parts of the show for me i love it agreed totally agreed and if you don't love uh music especially singing music music with lyrics in your stuff like if when adventure time started going real high, like every episode had some kind of song in, and you're like uh okay maybe <laughs> this show isn't for you but also you suck so go away <laughs> yeah i agree yeah it's <laughs> it just makes it like i don't know it's so bizarre yes. to throw in and like but i'm loving it i love um we haven't talked about the teacher enough yes we were and we jack your name on our chat is about <laughs> i just love that school episode is so weird because yeah that's the potatoes <laughs> and molasses episode that's, yes it's the same yes. one but the teacher is just like down and out because her boyfriend left her and there's a i love her like uh, exposition dump in this song. Of like, song. Oh yeah, my boyfriend loved me, and there's a gorilla, and there's a blah blah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and just like, 
<laughs> and then she's the going like to close the school. Yeah, and then letters A through Z, she's singing about her boyfriend who she thinks is gone, and when they give her this uh, like nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, like. Uh kind of movie like lady movie accent like uh, almost <laughs> yeah. like uh, the newsroom lady you know mm-hmm. like woman in the newsroom kind of thing but it's like that no good two-time and low down handsome jimmy brown <laughs> uh, exactly. that's, that's jack's name but yeah she it has is. this kind of twangy thing but also it's this uh like kind of like rat-a-tat-tat uh approach to her dialogue so yeah it's a fun throwback bit She's i great. thought it was very dolly parton of like just her little when she's acting in movies, she does that little rat-a-tat too, mm-hmm. and I, okay. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then it, I don't know. I also didn't realize it was Thomas Lennon who is her right? her Jimmy Brow. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Uh, it turns out he was stuck in the wild gorilla suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they thought they thought a wild gorilla had been terrorizing them, but it's just Jimmy Brown. He got stuck in the suit and he's running around <laughs> trying to get help, ah, like asking for help, and no one would help him because they thought he was a scary gorilla. Great. So, so he wasn't two timing her. It. He came back for her. It was great. Uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to give her some right. props. Good. <laughs> well, on that note, would you recommend Over the Garden Wall? I don't know. Hate it. No, I'm going to put it on my body. I hate it so much. It's going to be like a old In Living Color sketch. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I I don't know who wouldn't like this. I think it's great for kids. I think it's great for adults. I think um, it just hits all the notes. Like, there's so much fantasy in it but then it like really is grounded in a real way that's in the mess overall message and the overall like journey is uh very powerful mm-hmm. um you know i'm a sucker for like family stories and so like just these two brothers uh, half brothers yeah. um you know uh being really bonded through this experience Mm -hmm. like it's just it's beautiful i think it's great there's something for everybody (laughs) agreed um we have harped a lot on the silliness because that's easier to talk about in in this kind of format um but there is so much depth to it like you rewatching this like i rewatch it every year it doesn't get old there's so much in it it's very rich and so there's a lot to come back to and you pick up on different things every time um, and all the performances are so good. And the, the stories of everybody are good. Even the little minor characters, their little arcs that you get throughout one episode, still great. Um, and the overall arc that work goes through, like we've mentioned, he was very fearful and didn't stand up for his brother and kind of blamed his brother for everything. And then by the end, um, he decides to, like, basically Greg gets lost. And Wirt decides to go after him, and there's this really powerful moment where he's talking to he he meets Beatrice's mom, who's also a bluebird, and <laughs> she's like, "You can't go out. There's a snowstorm. You're no good to your brother dead." And he said, "I was never any good to him alive either." Aww. And then goes out into the storm to catch to find him, and it's like this super powerful moment. It's so good and it's so heartwarming. 
I love it. Well, it's and, such a good and show. And Greg, uh, you know, we, uh, we're wrapping up here, but but Greg effectively at like six years old chooses to sacrifice himself for his brother it's so good (laughs) it's uh you know it's real i mean and and there's more to it and there's you know some kind of conniving by the villain and stuff so like there's there's things that get pulled out of the story but just from greg's point of view of what he's doing like it's just like utter purity in that moment it's so good no uh, hesitation like just yeah okay So, yeah, for myself, uh, absolute recommendation. Um, And a a lot of times when we do these, there's always this sort of caveat of, well, if you like horror movies or you like midnight movies or you like bad movies or if you're into it, like Jack is famous for like, if you're into this kind of thing. (laughs) But I I do it a lot, too. You know, we all give our kind of like narrow window of who we think um, or, or broad window. But. On occasion, we have something that uh, just kind of uh, blows the doors off, and uh, and that's what this one is. Because yep. yeah, Jess was saying, I can't imagine there's anyone who couldn't appreciate it. Um, it might, you know, you might not be super into fantasy, you might not be super into animation, but there's nothing in it that I think people would be like, oh, that's too far for me, or that's wrong. I mean, I think like you could enjoy the animation you could enjoy the character work you can enjoy the dialogue the songs the Mm. like heart of the story there's a lot of things a lot of ways into this that you could latch onto. and then it's very short it's not a big commitment only thing i would say is you know like really little kids could get freaked out by some of the darker moments i don't i'm not a parent so i don't know where the cutoff is but i know like our friend jimmy who um he you know he's shown it to at least one of his kids and i know he mentioned on a show or before a show or something a couple months back that it was like getting to be end of august early september or something and his son like pulled it off the dvd shelf and like he wanted to watch it and he he was like i don't know if it's because it was like starting to be fall or it's like but like so the kid had already seen it in in the past but he was like ready to go again and so he's i think only maybe like six so he's probably seen it since he's maybe four so i i don't know the age range um you know of like what what the cutoff is but i mean Mm -hmm. definitely like you know five six above i'm sure are fine younger than that use your discretion and again it's not anything it's not anything worse than like the wizard of oz uh or willy wonka and stuff um, but there are some like, you know, key dark moments where, you know, even as adults, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. over the garden wall. <laughs> uh, But uh, I love it for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I want it to do that. Yeah. I love when uh, children's fiction does that. And I mean, the best children's fiction has done that forever. Brothers Grimm and everything yep. else. Mm-hmm. So long tradition of that. So, absolute recommendation for me, go find it, uh, which brings me to Can I Find This? It is available on American DVD. It is available on Australian Blu-ray. They have never released it on American Blu-ray. I do not know why. I want um, it. But they did release it on Australian Blu-ray, and if you can track down that particular one, that is like... A region free one they released so if you i mean you could have a uh, a region free blu-ray player but if you just have a regular blu-ray, blu-ray player you have a ps4 or 5 or whatever you have an xbox uh you, it would be region locked so uh but the australian one will actually play that's the one i have all the episodes play fine the 
opening menu could just be my copy, could be all of them. It's a little kind of weird and jerky, like it's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But the episodes play flawlessly, um, and uh, it has the uh, pilot on there, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to look. Um, pretty sure I watched it on there. And then it has, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and then, I guess recently, like last year, they released a UK Blu-ray as well. Mm. Um, so it is out there in different forms. Streaming uh, as well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. Yeah, Tome of the yeah. Unknown, the pilot is on Cartoon Network's YouTube channel, so you can watch it uh, right on there. And then Over the Garden Wall is also it's streaming on Hulu, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, Microsoft, HBO Max, and maybe <laughs> some other locations as well. Soundtrack was released by Mondo, the great so um, you know, uh, record and poster um, and toy and other things, uh, online store, store Mondo. Um, it's spectacular. I have it. I listen to it every year. It will be coming up soon. It is sold out currently, but I know they've done multiple pressings over the years. So keep, if you're interested, keep an eye on that. Because otherwise, if you go to try to try to go to eBay or something, it's going to be like way higher than it should be. <laughs> there is a site called Discogs that uh, you can often get vinyl for more reasonable rates than eBay. So uh, check on that. Did you mention you can get the tape sometimes too? Yeah, they oh. d- Mondo did also release a, a tape that had um, like clarinet and poetry by Wirt. So it's like an in-universe thing. Yeah. As read yeah. by Elijah Wood in yeah. character. It's so good. It's great, yeah. I didn't buy that. I don't have that, but uh, I'm sure some people bought it and absolutely love it. I so. bought it for a friend once, but I never heard it. It's so cute. I'll yeah. have to look it up. I'm sure I'm sure somebody's ripped the audio from it, so maybe it's on YouTube it's or something. Probably on YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so there's that, and then the only other thing of external media, I kind of teased this earlier of when Eric asked, uh, you know, are they doing any more? They have done comics of Over the Garden Walls. So oh, yeah. the creator did okay. a couple specials, and he did a mini series, and then those were successful. And then they launched a full series of like 20 issues. I saw he didn't write anything past the initial batch, but whoever was like working with him on the art of the originals seemed like they took over. So he must have been kind of like, you guys got this. You, you know what to <laughs> yeah. do. So uh, so they did like 20 issues of, uh, of just an Over the Garden Wall comic. And then they've since done a number of graphic novels and a couple other short series. So like there's, I don't know how much, how many total issues, but probably close to 40 or something. Um, I found them. So I will be working through those. And uh, you know, if, if certain ones are standouts, I'll be adding them to my collections. Nice. Um, Cause I do have, they did a gravity falls uh, graphic novel a Mm. year or two, a couple years ago. And it's fantastic, and yes. that was just an addition to the Gravity Falls world. And from what I understand in the comics, they show stuff after the show with, like, Wirt, and they also mm. show stuff before the show with the woodsman and his daughter. Mm. And then, then the, the, um, the like, I, I think the original batch was, like, showing kind of episodes you didn't see, and then the ongoing run i think was doing kind of the back and forth and then the uh, graphic novels they might have been standalone stories i mean Mm. i'll find out in the next couple months when i read them but 
So those are out there. Uh, I'm sure the art is uh, quite gorgeous as well. There is an art of over the garden wall book out there that uh, I did mm -hmm. see, and I'm gonna take a look at that. So it's uh, it's kind of taking on somewhat of a life in the fandom, uh, similar to Gravity Falls and some other animated shows of like people just becoming incredibly dedicated to it which does make me wonder if they've ever made any toys and if they haven't why not where are they <laughs> give, give me, me my Funko toys Pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i want a beast toy damn it i want that would be so beast. cool yes or or the christopher i'll get a christopher lloyd um, I, want, I want greg <laughs> yeah. i have to look that up rock. if they've done because sometimes they'll do like actual action figures and sometimes it's like mm. little like more plasticky rubber plastic things so I'll have to see, but if they haven't, they need to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it has it has kind of like caught on. I think more and more as parents are showing it to kids, and as it since it's be, it's I would Jack saying she watches it every year, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's taking on a status of like a Halloween classic mm -hmm. in the style of like Charlie Brown. Uh, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. other specials, Christmas specials, and that kind of thing. So try to track this one down. As for the show. So this wraps us up for a bit. I have been doing this show um, since like last August, September. It was my um, my pandemic project to keep me sane, and it worked. <laughs> um, yeah, totally worked. Uh, but no, it was basically just to, uh, I mean, be able to interact with friends and uh, when, when we couldn't do anything or go anywhere. And uh, give me something to work on and focus on and not just go completely out of my mind at home. And so it's mostly worked at that. And obviously I've enjoyed doing it um, and I'm going to continue doing it. But it's been a year plus and I've done this weekly. And uh, so we're going to take a bit of a break here. Um, so uh, this being the last Halloween episode, this one will be airing, um, you know, last couple days of October. We are going to stop there. We won't have any uh, episodes in November, and we won't have any episodes for the bulk of December, but we will have two Christmas episodes coming up. Ooh. So those will launch uh, the week of Christmas, and they are both, usually I say what is coming up. Both of these are going to be surprises, so you will find out what they will be once those episodes drop in December. So uh, those are going to be surprises for all the listeners. And then once we come back with those two episodes, we'll uh, dive back in in January and uh, start recording more again. But this gives myself and anyone else who's on the show uh, a nice couple month of break, just uh, free of it. But we will return. So join us Christmas for two new episodes of Uncanny Cinema. See you then. <laughs>